0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I am your host Taylor, and I'm joined by my co-host Kit Bender.
1: Hello, everyone. How are you?
0: I'm doing swell. How are you?
1: I'm really, I'm really good. I'm excited about this conversation with uh, Eric Hodgson.
0: Yes, me too. He has just such a powerful story, and it just it. It gives it makes me feel all the feels. Mm. He lost his daughter, Zoe, four years ago, um, and lost her to suicide. And, you know, it is May, it is mental health awareness month, and suicide is a topic that is often very scary to address. But it's also, I think, something that Comes up regularly for people throughout life, you know, different low points where perhaps suicidal thoughts come in. And um, I definitely want to encourage everyone, at least at the end of the episode, to check out our episode notes and the different resources that are available, um, both from our guest Eric and just from other organizations around the country. Eric is now speaking around different communities teaching people how to thrive through grief, and has wrote a book on it as well called A Sherpa Named Zoe.
1: Which I just love the the title of that, A Sherpa Named Zoe.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. So I'm very excited to talk to this guest today. So let's bring him on. Hey, welcome, Eric, to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Taylor.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah. Um, we we didn't actually meet at the, at the uh, Active Minds conference, but I did see um, you know that you were doing a talk there, and I'm really really happy that you reached out to me, and um, really excited about having you on today to talk about you know your experience with losing a loved one to suicide and how you're you are managing and also helping teach other people how to thrive through their grief. I think that's a kind of a newer like. Uh, idea around processing grief.
2: Right. No, I agree. And thank you so much for, uh, allowing me to share that with your audience too. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And so I've learned a little bit about your story just through some of my research on you and through our conversations um, and Kit as well, but would love to kind of start from the beginning of where, you know, I guess kind of how you got to be at the Active Minds Conference in the first place, Um, where this whole journey with you kind of started.
2: I appreciate that. So uh, about four years ago, I was in a custody battle for my 15-year-old daughter, Zoe, she was having a really difficult time with just being hospitalized on a few occasions. And, and, but she was living at a halfway house, and she was able to come home and see us on weekends. And this one particular weekend, I picked Zoe up and bring her back to my house. And she was upstairs in her room listening to some music and burning some jasmine incense. She was applying this really cool henna tattoo on her hand with a sun design on it. While the hen ink was drying, I asked her if she wanted to make some kale chips, and she said, sure. So afterwards, we were cleaning up, and she said, Dad, I'm really tired. I want to go to bed now. Well, I, I love you, pumpkins, and I love you too, Dad. I went back to my computer to do some work, and then I went upstairs a little while later to say goodnight. And when I opened her bedroom door, uh, I could hear Jonathan Frashanti's guitar playing on the stereo a string of Christmas lights was lit around the perimeter of her room, but she wasn't in her bed. And out of the corner of my eye and in the dim light, I could see that she was standing in her closet, and I was going to call her, Zoe, what are you doing? But she didn't answer me, so she wasn't standing in her closet. I called 911. I was amazed that five days later, over 900 people came, to Zoe's Lake, 900.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> her friend Kelly came up, and she was just sobbing, and all I could do was put my arm around her and say, it's going to be okay, sweetie, because you know Zoe would want you to remember all those good times we had together, right? And another friend, Sarah, came up, and she said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hush. And Zoe was so nice to me, and she was always smiling. I don't get it. And I said, I don't get it either, And but you know Zoe would want you to remember all those good times we had together, right? And as more and more people came up to share stories of Zoe with me and to tell me how much that she impacted them, inspired, and gave them hope, and to tell me that they were sorry for my loss, I was sorry for their loss because I knew what we were all going to be missing.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, maybe it was her, her smile, her energy, her, her badass ukulele skills, mm-hmm. you know, her ability to see life and to just want everybody to just be And it took me so many months for me to feel somewhat normal. I wasn't eating well, sleeping well, exercising. I just wasn't myself. And it took a long time for it to sink in that Zoe would also be very upset with me if she knew that I was letting all those good memories from her life stop me from letting mine. And something beautiful happened. I kind of started to make peace with this. I I, uh, began to forgive not only Zoe, but myself for what I perceived I didn't do for her when she was here. and then gratitude kind of came into my life and and i started to see zoe all around me maybe it was the same color hair maybe it was a pair of black chuck keys and maybe it was even a a song that came on the radio that she used to sing along to um in greek the name zoe means life and one of the greatest lessons that zoe ever taught me is that we have to see the beauty in life and when it knocks us down we have to stand up again always and one of Zoe's teachers, uh, in her, her high school at the time, uh, is a recording artist named Marissa Nadler. And Marissa, um, was an art and music teacher. And, uh, she was, uh, very instrumental in helping Zoe kind of cope through music when she was struggling. And uh, after Zoe passed away, uh marissa actually left the teaching world to become an artist full-time and active minds uh created a wanted to do a compilation album and uh, marissa was asked to be on that album and it's called 100,000 voices hmm. and uh, it came out in i think 2015 and uh, i had pinged marissa about potentially collaborating on a song about zoe knowing her musical background and, and and uh and, and just some poems that I had written. And Marissa actually wrote a song called Carnival that's on that album and it's about Zoe. Mm. And so when the conference came around, uh and if I'm talking too much, please forgive me. No, <laughs> um, not at all. But uh when the conference came around last year, um, I just it was one of those situations that it, it came up on my news feed that the conference was coming up and and I wanted to share what lessons I've learned over the last four years about coming through something like this to help the students who were going to be in attendance at that event mm-hmm. and the facilitators and administrators. And I, I can't tell you how uh, grateful I was to be able to stand up and share Zoe's story and to help them build their own resilience because it does really uh, it does really rely on us doing the work and, and going through those, those uh, struggles in order to get stronger. So that's how mm-hmm. I got involved with the uh, Active Minds conference.
1: Yeah. So which came first, the um, participation in the Active Minds or the decision uh, to write a book and release a book about it?
2: So the book, thanks, uh, that's a great question, Um uh, the, the book came about, uh, about two years ago. I was um, working with some uh, clients and uh, telling them stories of some experiences that I had uh, meditation and connecting with Zoe, and not only that, but just some of the 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 some of the things that her friends were telling me that she did, the impact that she left on mm-hmm. them and uh, I just wanted to put that together in a book to kind of walk people through uh, grief because this mm-hmm. grief is an element of a human condition that we are all going to be exposed to, yeah. And, and obviously, when you lose a child, it's out of place. It's not really the way things are supposed to go. But mm-hmm. then again, life doesn't necessarily go the way we want it to go either. So yeah. I think for us to be prepared and be and build resilience while the sun is still shining prepares us for when the storm clouds come and they'll come. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Hmm. Can, you, can you talk through the name of the book a little bit? I think it's a, it's a great name, but I'm, I'm curious um, what inspired a Sherpa named oh, Zoe. Thank you so much. Name
2: yeah uh i remember when i was writing the book <laughs> i was having such a hard time coming up with a title the only thing that i had for a working title was just zoe's story
3: mm-hmm. and
2: while that is that i wanted it to make an impact with regards to you know what zoe really meant to everybody that she came in contact with and i remember standing in a uh froyo restaurant here in the town i live in in massachusetts and, I was with Zoe's older sister, Arminda, and older brother, Christos, and we were just talking about, you know, what the way Zoe impacted us. And and I said, I just feel like Zoe's been a, a guide for us. It's almost been like she's a Sherpa for mm, us. Yeah. And and I just, our eyes get wide, and you're like, that's it. A, a Sherpa named Zoe. Zoe has been guiding, not only me, but her our family and, and all of her friends uh, in so many ways, uh, that I just felt like that, that worked, uh, that was, that was it. That was the title.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you learned to kind of alchemize, uh, the pain that you had experienced, but then, um, yeah, being able to see her as a teacher, I think is a beautiful, beautiful way to look at the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, yes. I I again just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and and being so open and and honest with what your story and, and your journey has been with all of this. I mean, this is very hard stuff to talk about, and even as you yeah. you know share your experience of just those moments and remembering the details of that last evening and everything. I mean, it it warms my heart so much to know that you are you know taking this and and really like improving your life and others from it and fighting out of this kind of like deep dark hole that sometimes we find ourselves in with processing grief. And right. while while sometimes there is time and that's needed for that, but also being able to to pull yourself out of that. And and like you said, realizing that Zoe wouldn't have been happy with you, you know, right. living your life like that, that she would want you to be living your life to the fullest as well. Um and Absolutely Yeah, I just you know, I, I'm I'm really curious to kind of go back a little bit to when you were talking about uh, the wake for her and how all the students were coming up and, and saying these amazing things about her and the wonderful impact that she had had um, on their life yeah. on their lives. How do you think that that impacted the students? I mean, it sounds like a lot of the work that you do now is with other students and with young people trying to educate on this topic? And I'm curious how it was, you know, for them experiencing this.
2: Well, Thank you. That's a very good question. Um, And yes, I think focusing on students uh, is, I think when you're at at that age, uh, 13 to 21, even up to 26, you know, you're there's so many things that that are still developing in your mind you're trying to figure out the world as it is mm-hmm. and when something like this happens uh you know as an adult, it brings you to your knees and I can't imagine that extra weight that's on a on a on a uh, a kid's back when something like this happens to one of their friends or somebody that they know because there's <laughs> the, the the they definitely have a capacity to process this, but they also uh, you know it, it may be difficult for them to figure out where to even start, yeah, and so with zoe 's friends, I immediately started saying to them, "Look guys, no matter what we 're in this together, and we 're going to get through this together so mm-hmm. everybody you know eyes on you know and, and, you know let's let's keep our eyes on each other, let 's take care of the person at our left and at our right, it's at our shoulder, because when we are feeling most vulnerable and most uh down about this entire situation if we focus on somebody else and how they're doing, that actually helps us, but it helps them too. Mm -hmm. And I just really feel that, um, you know, working with Zoe's friends, checking in with them saying, Hey, how are you guys doing? Is everybody okay? And sometimes they would say, no, I'm not doing okay. And that's okay too. But I'm grateful that they were able to uh, verbalize that and vocalize that because they needed to have some sort of idea of what to expect. And, And what I was trying to help them do was to paint the vision of a future that didn't yet exist.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And and that was that, yes, on the other side of this chasm of questions, unknowns, and fog, and darkness, there is a light there. And Mm -hmm. come hell or high water, we're all going to make it across there. Now, you each have your own chasm to cross because you have your own set of questions. But just know that you're not doing this alone,
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think that, I think a lot of students these days feel that they have to deal with things alone. We are,
3: yeah. we
2: are, we have disconnected from, uh, our, uh, from our families and sometimes from our friends. And we rely on that connection to be through our mobile phones, our smartphones and, and, you know, a support is just a text away. And that's not, that's not what we're wired for. We're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're Absolutely. wired for story. We're, so yeah, and, and all of that put together, it's it's that when you feel connected to somebody because you're sitting next to them and you're talking with them, you're holding space for them yeah. or you're actually a beacon for them, it, it just makes the world a difference because we're all, it doesn't matter what you're going through in life because we are all wired like that. We can resonate with those components like story and mm-hmm. connection and trust and empathy and, and, and that just breeds reciprocity.
0: Absolutely. And that's something we talk about frequently on here about reaching out for support and, you know, remembering Mm -hmm. that that you're not alone. Um, So we talk about mental health on here, but also we all know that physical health is also so important. So... I mean, let's be real. Going to the doctor is terrible and actually finding time to get important lab testing done is almost impossible. It's tedious. It's, it's expensive. You're waiting in these waiting rooms. It's miserable. But now you can actually complete your testing from the comfort of your home thanks to Everly Well. is an at-home health testing company that offers a variety of tests ranging from food sensitivity to metabolism to a thyroid test. The tests are private, they're simple, and all processed through certified labs. All you have to do is head to everlywell.com, choose your tests, and they'll be shipped directly to your doorstep. Then once you complete your sample collection and send it back into Everly Wells certified labs, they will process your sample and send you your results via Everlywell's security online platform within just five days. Everlywell takes all of the guesswork out of lab testing and puts the power into your hands to complete a range of important health tests all from home. I got the food sensitivity test and I'm super excited to take it. I submitted my results but haven't gotten them yet and it was honestly very easy. I just like did a little prick of my finger and you know let the blood kind of drip into the little pockets and it was nice I didn't have to go anywhere. They give you all the instructions and it's all fairly very easy. So no more sitting in waiting rooms for hours. Head to everlywell.com and use code taylor to take 15% off your first order. Again, head to everlywell.com and use offer code TAYLOR for 15% off your first order. Take control of your health today with Everly Well's at-home health tests. But back to our mental health, back to the show. Um, One letter that we got in regards to doing this episode today, uh, she asked, she said, I know that people are always saying, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. But whenever I'm going through a really bad depressive episode or have suicide on my mind, I find it hard to reach out to people simply because I don't know what I'm supposed to say, how to phrase what's going on, or how to ask for help. Could you give some tips on maybe simple phrases that people could use when trying to get help or talk to people?
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a very powerful letter. (laughs) Yeah, she gets, and that she just and that gets right to it.
0: Yeah, and that's just one part of the of the uh, question. She has two others that are really good as well. But um, this one, kind of along the lines of like reaching out for that support, have you encountered this with some of Zoe's friends as to like how you guys actually start these conversations with each other?
2: Yes, and I believe it it involves. Uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, even when you already are raw to begin with you know you're like an exposed nerve when something like this happens yeah. and the slightest thing can can you know really impact you and make you feel that you're stuck and that you have no way through mm-hmm. and I do believe that uh, in those moments when you are inside of your head when you are thinking that there's no way through this that there's no other options that the option is to ask about that friend that's next to you or even a good friend and ask how they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, because when, you, when you're taking yourself out of that equation in terms of like, okay, well, I'm going to ask how my other friend is. Maybe they're having a harder day than you are. Mm-hmm. And by talking with them and just verbalizing or going to see them, uh, is enough to let them know that they are still connected, that they are here for a greater purpose that just maybe not is present just yet.
3: Yeah. And,
2: and, you know, I think, I think it, by nature, we are all fighters. We're all warriors for, uh, you know, for each other and for ourselves. And some of the things that come at us in life are so difficult. And, um, I, one of Zoe's friends just called me the other day, Taylor, and she was saying that, uh, she just buried her fifth friend that took his life, uh, sorry, mm. fifth friend that took their life in the last four years. Oh, wow. And she said, I don't know what's going on here. And it isn't me. I said, it's absolutely not you. Yeah. But it, it encouraged her to, to focus on those things that bring joy to her life, the things that, that they keep her moving forward because it's, it's when we stop, Mm-hmm. that's when we start to pitch camp at, you know, this sucks and, and it's no good and I'm no good. I'm not enough, yeah but it's when you keep moving. And that's what she said too. She said, I just have to keep moving. She's an artist. She's, um, a a a, a smith. She says a lot of other activities that keeps her, that keeps her moving. And she said, as long as I keep moving, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So and despite how difficult that is to go through that stuff. So, um, uh, but yeah, I think I don't know if that answers the question.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's first. I just think we should all take a very deep breath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is yeah. awesome,
0: us <laughs> Take a deep breath. Um...
1: <sighs> I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Eric. What you have found when you're talking to all these people um, that are going through all these things? If you've uh, if you found any trends of things that are keeping people from being able to experience their grief, where a tragedy happens and, and something comes, up, but they they, they, keep, they still keep themselves guarded and don't open themselves do up. Um, mm. Have you noticed any, any, any patterns there?
2: Yes, and I do believe it has to do with connection uh, or lack thereof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, when students have the ability to hear other stories, uh, they can locate themselves in that story. When I tell, I just was at uh, Springfield College on Western Mass last week, speaking at an out of the darkness talk that they had on campus there. And uh, there were probably about a hundred plus students in attendance for this event and, and I shared Zoe's story. And so many I uh, probably had about seven or eight girls come up after me and first of all, thank me for sharing the story of Zoe, but giving me a hug. But telling me that that it resonated with them because of the way that I talked about Zoe, how mm-hmm. you know she wants people to fight on that we when we get knocked down we have to get back up again, and for yeah. them that may be all, that may be the impetus for them to move forward and say, you know what, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Yeah. I, I, don't, I There has to be another option besides this. If this is what I'm thinking, that's the only thing that can help me not be in pain anymore mm-hmm. is to take my life. But no, it's. There is other options. We always have options. Yeah. So, and it's finding those things.
0: Yeah. We're discussing how to thrive today, which is so important, looking for the positives and the best solutions that life throws at us. We always talk about mental health and physical health on the show. So, it's very fitting that our awesome partner, Quip, helps take care of your dental health. Quip has been called the Apple and the Tesla of toothbrushes and let me tell you, they do not disappoint. For me, the best thing about using Quip is not having to like bother with wires or chargers like that can take up so much space on your bathroom counter and it makes traveling so much easier too. It comes with a wireless mount that suctions right onto your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere. Anytime, And because the thing that cleans your mouth should also be clean, Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, which means that they deliver new brush heads every three months for just $5, which also includes free shipping worldwide. That is my second favorite thing about Quip because... I'm always like, oh, is it time to refresh my heads yet? Like, oh, is it still like sanitary to be using this head now or do I need to buy another one? And this is just so easy. It just comes and I don't even have to plan or think about it. Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals. Most toothbrushes don't get named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year, but Quip sure did. Find out why for yourself. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash taylor right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash taylor, spelled dot com slash taylor. But now back to our mental health. Along those lines of you know, kind of figuring out what those other options are, um, another letter that we got from a different writer, she said that her question for this episode is, how is suicide really prevented? I've been in some low places throughout my life and only about twice have I really been as low to think that I had no other option other than to end my life. How do you dig yourself mm-hmm. out of that place? What advice or tips do you have for someone who struggles with those feelings? I understand mental health conditions are typically lifelong and there and there are different options available to cope with whatever illness you may be dealing with. But when do you think it's important to stop what you're doing and really focus on your mental health when it comes to feelings of suicide?
2: Mm. Wow, that's a very strong question too. And, yeah. and I think that's a question that does get asked a lot uh, yeah. about how, what's the, what are the steps you got to take in order to make sure that, okay, look, I know I'm going to be feeling something like this Mm-hmm. At some point, but how do I get through it?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think that there is a um, there is a couple of steps that people can can use in order to to get through this. First, they can if they manage their mindfulness. I think that when it comes to being mindful, you are separating yourself from your thoughts because we yeah. aren't our thoughts. We okay. are the
0: observer and of our when, thoughts.
2: Yes, and uh, you know then from there, um, you know find a different approach to. Um, to to work through whatever the challenges you're feeling, maybe that moment, know that that moment is not permanent. So it's going mm-hmm. to pass, and that you can find a way through it. But that's where you you manage your approach, or you look at a different approach, and you act on that so that it's a it's a it's a almost 180 degrees of that other that that option of saying, well, okay, the only thing I can do now is just you know, end my life, mm-hmm. and that's not it. You want to go the other direction. So what is it that I need to do that's opposite of that? maybe that's going out and taking your dog for a walk maybe that's mm-hmm. calling up a friend maybe that's going out with a bunch of friends maybe uh, maybe that's writing music or doing yeah. something creative mm-hmm. you know to get your hands on it and then i think the last step is that you have to protect the prediction that you're making about the outcome of this and
3: mm-hmm.
2: when you make a prediction whether you're talking about it or not taylor uh you uh whether it's good or bad every action you take against that prediction about that outcome every action will align against that prediction so
1: mm-hmm.
2: if you predict that you're going to get through this every action you take will help you through that yeah as opposed to you mean,
1: as opposed to thinking oh no this is horrible i'm going to feel like this forever and um, exactly this is, this is the worst tragedy and yeah mm-hmm. kind of wallowing right. in that yeah
0: and i think right and you... i usually go ahead
2: I was going to say I, I, I remember talking to some of Zoe's friends, and I would just remind them of what's important. And what was important at that time was that uh, that they realized that in life they've had other times when they've been through difficult stuff and they've gotten through it.
0: Yeah.
2: And that this is no different. It might feel different, but it's not different. You will you you're you're in this place right now, but it won't last. And correct it, it's not mm-hmm. going to be permanent. So.
0: Yeah, and and I think that the 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 point of getting some perspective is really, really key here. And I think that there are so many resources and a lot of different options that people typically throw out there just in terms of like seeking help and talking to friends. But I think that one of the really key things that can help that you mentioned, and I'm really glad you brought up, is remembering that you are not your thoughts remembering that you are the observer of your thoughts because that gives you some perspective and allows you to have that separation between like what you are and what your experience Mm -hmm. is. And I think that's where people then get down that little black hole of thoughts of then feeling like there's no way I can pull myself out of this. And... You know, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, I had Alexa on and she shared about her experience in inpatient treatment. Um, She, Mm -hmm. you know, voluntarily uh, went into the hospital for an extended period of time to um, check herself both on, you know, her suicidal thoughts and um, some of the depression and anxiety that she was experiencing. And I think, again, if if that black hole seems like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger to one, the perspective, like you talked about, um, reaching mm-hmm. out to other people, like allowing yourself to be vulnerable in that. And maybe it is putting the focus on someone else and being like, what's, what's their life like right now? Um, and a- allowing yourself the space to potentially have that connection.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think once you make that connection, uh, you do see a different future that doesn't yet exist yet. But But then you do see that light on the other side of the chasm, mm-hmm. you know, and and it might take a little while to get there, Taylor. I mean, and I think a lot of times people are putting way too much pressure on themselves to yeah. have it all figured out yeah. in a matter of days or weeks, right? Absolutely. But that's not, I, I, look, it took me, and I'm still four, I'm four years out from Zoe taking her life and I am still working through stuff, but yeah. I didn't give myself a timetable. And and I mm-hmm. encouraged Zoe's friends and empowered them to do the same thing. It's like, look, here's here's the thing. There's no time frame on this except your own. If somebody's telling you that you should be over this by now, that's on them. That's mm-hmm. not on you. Yeah, it takes you as long as it's going to take you.
0: Yeah, everyone grieves in their own way, and I think it. I I can empathize with how it would be. 10 times harder to not have that pressure on yourself with that timetable, being someone in high school, being someone who's trying to get into college and feeling like they need to have their lives together and should be checking these boxes off and relieving yourself of some of that pressure, I think can do wonders for your overall happiness and the connections that you're able to experience.
1: So we're absolutely. I think it's one thing to to talk about grief in these like really really big situations, like a situation mm-hmm. that happened with your uh, with your daughter. But what is uh, what is some advice you would have for people to be able to prepare for that by uh, recognizing other opportunities that are maybe much smaller to grieve, um, so that we can kind of get used to going through that process and having people to talk to and not and and and. Holding, holding on to it as long as it has something for us, but not holding on too long, if that makes sense. Almost to like practice. Does that make
2: yeah, so you're talking about so in terms of like while the sun is still shining, what are some yeah. things people can do so that they can they can be prepared so that if something like this does come their way, they can handle it.
1: Well, like you said, when something comes like this, you know, because sometimes right. grief can just be you didn't get into the school you wanted, or you, yeah. you lose a you lose a, a right. friend, or right. you lose a, a lover, or you lose right. a, a pet, or something like that.
2: Yep, right, right. No loss is loss. I think, and if you lose a relationship, you lose a job, you lose a loved one. I think that we our our minds and our brains go through the same process of trying to get through it. And I think that far too often we get stuck in survival mode, meaning I'm just going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. But then here's the thing with survival mode. It's supposed to be temporary, Mm -hmm. yet some people live there for years. And I believe that we need to find a way through the situation, not just to get through it, but to thrive because of that Mm -hmm. situation or that struggle. Because on the other side of that uh, survival is a um, you know is where life really is living, Mm. and I think some ways that you can help people through that is to to know that uh, that you're you're again you're not alone that there is a process to get through um, and whether you develop your own process or even go through uh, use your own type of map if you will to get through um, you know from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow um, that. It's, it's going, it as long as you go through that process and not try to go around it mm-hmm. or avoid it, um, that's where you've, you know, you, you come out on the other side of it, uh, changed and transformed and, 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 and look back on what you have accomplished
3: mm-hmm. uh, and what
2: you have made way through and, and that's where I think the gold is. Um, I think the struggle is in the, the gold is in the struggle. Meaning, yeah. you know, we, we learn, we There's... learn from struggle since we were six months old, right? And we started mm-hmm. to stand up and we kept on falling down. Yeah. We didn't, we did, there was no thought process for us to say, oh, wait, I can't stand up ever. It's just as babies, it was instinctual for us to keep fighting on, to learn how to stand up and eventually walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the same thing, I think we've forgotten how to do that. As, yeah. as we've gotten older. And uh, I believe that if we just look at those things that we have already done and accomplished, we already have that process that we know how to get through stuff. Mm-hmm. We just have to bring that back into the light.
0: Yeah, and I think kind of what you're saying too, that in a way we we are very convenienced in our lives today to do most of what we can to avoid that struggle or to avoid that pain and to actually allow yourself the space to process it and experience it because there is strength in struggle and that is how we become stronger people. Um, And I think kind of to add on to your response to uh, Kit's question, I think a good way to, I guess, prepare yourself mentally or emotionally for... Grief, because it 's inevitable in our lives, you know not not exactly suicide being inevitable, but that um, that loss happens in all kinds of different forms mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of then taking the the time that you do have and practicing gratitude and making sure that yeah. you are being very present um, I think you know one thing when i 've experienced loss i 've looked back and and throughout the grieving process, I have felt like oh like i just i didn't I didn't really take advantage of that. I didn't live in that Mm -hmm. moment when I had it. And I wish I had because now it's gone. And why why does it have to be gone and like beating yourself up in that way? And so I think in in living your life in a way that that is present and that is, you know, practicing that gratitude on a regular, if not Mm -hmm. semi-regular basis will allow you to have a different experience of grief.
2: Yes. I agree. And I I, I thank you for reminding me because I I actually have a very quick, sorry, not quick, but a very easy three-step process that I used for me to go through that grief initially. And it was that I had to make peace with what had happened. As much as I wanted to go back in time and bring Zoe back, I had to realize that that was not possible. So I had to make peace with the fact that this was going to be my new normal, as hard as that was. But that made way for forgiveness to come into my life. And again, not just for, for Zoe for taking her life, because that is something that a lot of people can't forgive. And I get mm-hmm. that. I understand it because it's really hard, but it's also forgiveness of yourself because I, you ask so many questions like what could I have done more yeah. I you know I, I could have been a, I said to myself for months Tara, I could have been a better dad for you Zoe I'm so sorry and I was
3: mm-hmm. I was
2: driving home from work one day and it was as if she was sitting in the car in the car seat next to me and, she, and I heard her say dad I'm okay geez stop it and that like kind of switched me from thinking wait a minute she's she's okay you know, there's no more pain here,
3: mm-hmm. and and
2: that I know this is when I realized that I Zoe was going to be so upset with me if I didn't live my life instead of just you know cry about her for a long, long time. And again, mm-hmm. it's grief you have to go through that. But but then when I forgave Zoe um, and I forgave myself, more importantly, that's when the gratitude started to really come in. And then there was abundance of gratitude, which gave an abundance of other good things kind of coming in, good energy coming into my life, more people coming in to support,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, me, um, uh, gratitude for the fact that I have a house and, and I can put food on the table, so many things. And, and gosh, does that lighten your heart when that happens? You know, I'm grateful that I got to be Zoe's dad for 15 years. I was Zoe's dad. No one else got to be that. I got to be Zoe's dad. So I am yeah. so proud of her for who she who she is, and I still say is,
1: you know, mm-hmm. uh, her
2: energy and her spirit is. I just I'm so grateful. So, um, but yeah, that having that gratitude, like you said, Taylor, is mm-hmm. so huge in terms of helping you. It, it, it takes the weight off your shoulders.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I'm I'm curious what uh, having gone through this and having um, not only experienced it yourself but also talked with a lot of other people experiencing, um, going through this process of grief. I'm wondering what it's taught you about the other areas of your life, like what you've been able to learn from this that has given you an awareness in, in other situations and in other relationships, um, that you experience just regularly.
2: Oh, well, that's a great question, kid. I think that there's a, um, uh, this has given way for, uh, me to realize my greater purpose in life, which is to help others, yeah. This is so much bigger than I am in so many ways. There's so many people out there that are really working to try to figure out why something happened like this to them in their lives. And and I just, I feel like this is one of the gifts that Zoe left behind for me that mm-hmm. I had to find. And I can't be more grateful that I have the capacity and the voice to be able to share not only Zoe's story, but, but to help some other people through whether they're going through their own grieving process to know that there isn't a there is light on the other side of this that uh that means living life that there's i'm i'm thriving again and i'm doing things and connecting with people that probably wouldn't have been possible uh you know had this not happened in my life but and, and it took me 44 years to figure that out uh that that um you know that this is what i need to be doing for life so I think that's one of the things that um, uh, that Zoe has kind of, you know, this experience has taught me, that we are here for something that's much bigger than us. And it's so important to be able to help other people not only see that vision of the world that doesn't yet exist for themselves, but to help them figure out how to get there too. Be that, maybe a, uh, for a while, be a beacon or yeah. hold space for them while they figure
1: it out. And that was like awakened in you through the whole thing.
2: Yes, that's just it, it was yeah. just an, I was uh, luckily enough, uh, fortunate enough to uh, go to a men's leadership event about two years after Zoe had died. And again, I, I had all this inside of me. I didn't I wanted to tell Zoe's story, but I didn't want to dump. I didn't want it to beat that. I wanted to be in the service of others. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I was fortunate enough to be at a men's leadership event. And I got to hear a speaker. His name is Bo Eason. He lives in L.A and uh, he's a former NFL pro and he turned uh to become a playwright and then from that he created this uh personal story power event where he teaches people how to tell their personal story to connect with others
1: hmm. and oh, that's powerful.
2: when i first it is very powerful because that's again we are so wired for story that uh, whenever you're sitting around a campfire or if you're sitting around with a group of friends, we do this instinctually when we go to parties, right? We stand around in circles. So when we are standing in circle and people are kind of telling stories, whether it's something funny or something serious, we we locate ourselves inside of that. And yeah. that power of story is something that we have been doing as humans for hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's super connected tissue.
0: hmm yeah. And I want I want to kind of see if you can share a little bit more about like your experience with thriving of how you get to that place and like what that looks like because i think that for some people perhaps hearing that like i'm grieving like what do you mean how how do i thrive right. in my grief like i'm grieving um and and perhaps even working through maybe not or working through the guilt maybe that is associated with like well I'm doing good, and why should I be like you know thriving and doing great when like there's other right. people in pain, and this person I loved was in so much pain, right. and um just kind of the, the the different ideas and processes of of thriving through
2: grief no, that's a great question, Taylor and. I think that a lot of people do ask that question, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people stay stuck in survival mode because mm-hmm. they don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. You know they They might feel that they want to get out of this, but they don't know necessarily what to do. so uh, I think that one of the big things to start this process is that you you do have to start answering some of those questions that come up in your mind as painful as it might be, mm-hmm. um, and that is that is making peace with those questions in whatever capacity that it, that it makes peace for you. Um, but I do think that it starts real resilience starts with a mindset shift, where instead of thinking that oh this is happening to me, maybe this is happening for me for a specific purpose.
1: Hmm. That is, I like and, that, and that perspective that might, yeah. change. Yeah. Just even that slight word yeah, change exactly. is is really powerful. It's happening for yeah. you, not to you.
2: Correct, and so it's happening for you. So how can I, if this is happening for me, what do I need to do now? That brings joy to my life because it is okay to take care of you. You have to, Mm -hmm. you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. So for me, that was, that was starting to go and do more of this story building work. Traveling to LA three or four times a year, or even taking a road trip. I live in Massachusetts taking a road trip up to Vermont for the day and just getting out into nature.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Whatever it was that got me back to my nature Uh, uh, You know, I'm not an artist, but, you know, I know from my stepson, Christos, his music is something that's helped him. So whatever it is that makes you, that brings joy to your life. Now, I will say that when you lose somebody that you love for a while there, you may not feel like you want to go back to those things that Mm -hmm. you were once doing. But uh, Zoe's other friend, his name name is Jerry. That was Zoe's best friend. And Jerry is a guitarist. This kid has held a guitar in his hand since he was four years old. And I remember about two weeks after Zoe died, we were sitting in my kitchen. He was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I said, here, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to get ready, go to school, come home. When you come home, you're going to practice your guitar because that Mm -hmm. is where your heart is. Mm -hmm. And, and he did that. So he started that. So in this case, he was functioning with intention. He Mm -hmm. was actually intentionally trying to, to do the things that, that he knew. Would help him get through this. It was the same with uh, Zoe's yeah. other friend that I was telling you that lost five people. Mm-hmm. She, but uh, she did artwork. She did metal smithing. She kept moving. So, yeah. but it has to be intentional. It can't be passive. It has yeah, to be not, intentional. not distracting. Thing, exactly. And I think the last thing is that you have to build a set of core values which bring energy and direction to your life. Mm-hmm. And until I sat in front of Bo. To understand that, okay, he's given me an opportunity to come tell my story of Zoe. I can't tell you how much energy and direction I had at that point. And, and that all goes through those three things combined, the mindset shift, the functioning with intention and intentional living and building these core values, your belief system, those three things to me are the foundation of building resilience.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and then when you have those in place, life starts to happen around you and and not just in a passive way. You notice things differently. You see things more beautifully. You start to appreciate what it is that you are, uh, you start to see, appreciate the gratitude. So Mm -hmm. it's just, to me, that's that's what's worked for me.
1: Yeah. And... Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the words resilience and the word, say, resentment? Because I think people can go through these and end up in one of those two places and maybe they think i'm building resilience to a thing when really they're bringing they're just putting up barriers or walls to be from being able to like
0: distracting themselves or
1: not allowing themselves to to feel it and say okay i'm i'm building up resilience and by that i am not going to get close to anyone and i'm going to keep everyone's at arm's length so that this never happens again Mm -hmm. but what's so how do you see the difference there
2: so resilience is the capacity to withstand adversity mm-hmm. and thrive because of that. Um, it's not just getting through. So a lot of times I think that uh, the difference between resilience and, and I think, was the word barriers? Is that what the other word was?
1: I was thinking the word resentment or just like kind of pushing oh, things resentment. away. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. So resentment. So yeah. So when it comes to being resilient, you you're not putting on a set of armor for protection, you're Mm setting, you're putting on a, a set of armor to, to withstand whatever life is going to be coming at you. And it's not, Mm -hmm. you're not closing yourself off from the world. In fact, you're opening yourself up even more, but with resentment, you know, resentment, I feel that you are putting on that, that you're putting up that barricade around you that I can't, I can't, I can't handle this. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When you think you can't handle something, you've already started to.
3: Mm.
2: I think you've already started to. So it's it's really important that uh, people remember that resilience is not about putting up barriers around you. It's mm-hmm. about actually putting on a suit of armor that allows you to be more open to the world around you, but, but protected so that when life does come at you, it only bumps you. It doesn't knock mm-hmm. you down.
0: Yeah. That's almost how I look at resilience. I look at it as kind of like... Y- you're able to bounce back, um, that there's a little bit of like bouncing around that happens. And that, again, it goes back to that, like getting strength through struggle and that it's like, you're not just, um, protecting yourself or putting up barriers to experiencing the things around you. And so therefore you're not getting hurt, but that you are moving through the pain and moving through the things that, um, you know, Cause you to experience struggle and and therefore you are bouncing back from that pain in a in a better right. place um, and yeah. coming out there coming out the other end with strength and I think it, it sounds like one of the one of the biggest ways that um, from what i 'm hearing that people have actually been able to be very resilient in their grief has been through community and has been through yeah. Letting those barriers down and allowing themselves to be vulnerable and to take advantage yep. of the community around them. I mean, hearing your story and hearing how like you still keep in touch with um, her friends and all of that. Like that, that I think is so key. Is again going back mm-hmm. to the social support and just because it, it's easy to let. Um, to let those barriers come up and protect yourself and um, close yourself off. I mean, I know in situations mm-hmm. with loss in my family, it's caused more divide and more tension because nobody knows how right. to deal with it and nobody mm-hmm. wants to talk about it. Right. And I right, think it's right. such a beautiful thing when people can come together through grief and through loss as opposed to everyone isolating themselves with it. Yeah. And so I love that, oh, you've, that you've encouraged that, that community.
2: Uh, Thank you. And and I appreciate that. And one thing that really to speak to the community aspect of this is that uh, about a year ago, um, I don't know if you know who Cheryl Sandberg is. She's Mm the COO of Facebook. And so Cheryl lost her husband, Dave, uh, while they were on vacation in Cancun about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know who she was at the time. Um, Yet in April of last year, I was riding an elevator at work and uh, I saw on the display in the elevator that Cheryl was just finishing up and publishing a book called Option B as well as uh creating Facebook groups around not only grief and loss support but other other areas of adversity to help people build resilience and it spoke to me so I I joined the group and there was about 200 people and now there's over 20,000 people alone in this grief and loss support group and and mm-hmm. I've become a moderator in this group just because it 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 was there is that community. There are people that are trying to figure out how to get through day one,
3: mm-hmm. through
2: day whatever it takes. And, and when you have other people that have already, wait, I've been through this. I understand mm-hmm. yeah. similarly what that they're support. feeling. I think, yeah, here's, here's what I did. Here's what helped me. And, and please know that if you're struggling right now with grief, that there that's another option for you to get through it and 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 to find other people that might have some ideas of things that might help you that work for them so mm-hmm. it's that community has just exploded and and I've had the the fortunate benefit of being able to communicate directly with Cheryl while we're while this thing is building and she is just like anybody else in this world. It doesn't matter if you're the fifth most powerful businesswoman in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor. It doesn't matter if you're um, a, a businessman or whatever. You, it, it, we all are human. We are yeah. all going to, we all have feelings. We're yeah. not robots. So it, it's just amazing what you can connect with via community.
0: Yeah. And again, thank you for helping create that within the community of zoe's friends and your family and can like Thank you, you know deciding to really move forward with the work that you've been doing and creating those communities and in, in other communities um
1: well because i think it's really easy for people when they're going through something to feel like oh no no one no one quite this this is a unique situation mm-hmm. and no one right. under, no one will ever understand it and and therefore right. i'm alone and i'm isolated but i think even right. even thinking you know know, or 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 saying some to telling someone or hearing that we are not alone. Sometimes we think, Oh, but I am alone, there's no yeah. one here and but opening up to other stories makes us go, Well sometimes grief is grief
3: mm-hmm. and
1: sometimes yeah. pain is pain and sometimes being yep. with someone else in that is the best thing you can do in not being alone in it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's like yeah. a fingerprint in a way. You know, fingerprints there's so many similarities mm-hmm. but at everyone is unique. Yes, true. But I think within those similarities where we, we, we make that connection, um, it may not be an exact replica of what you went through, and it can't be because it's your own experience. But, right. um But when you share your experience and people do locate themselves inside of your experience, and then they see not only the conflict that you've been through, but you have the capacity to come out on the other side and not just come out of it crawling, but mm-hmm. coming out of it with fire on your face is authentic. Yeah. That's where I think that um, even more of a connection can be made. So, yeah, I agree.
1: Mm-hmm. That's where I think um, I, I'm a musician, and one of the things I love about music is it gives people a chance to to sometimes do that. For you know, when an artist puts out a song, writes a lyric, and, and is expressing something that we can all go, oh yeah, and maybe not everything, yep. but I I I'm right. enough there. And then you know, it's, it's also great when you get a you. Group of people all being able to to sing that and kind of be on the same page with. There's a part of this story yeah. that I identify with, mm-hmm. and it's even even though I don't know the details of all your stories, being here with you helps me, and that's that's one of the things I love about music. Yeah. But because it does that, yeah.
2: yeah, I agree. No, that's really that's really huge, and I think the music thing is really key. And how many times are we quoting song lyrics because it mm-hmm. resonated with us? So you're absolutely right, Kit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to um, make sure to give people some of the resources that, um, that you sent me, and those will be in the episode notes. Um, but if you want to maybe just touch on one or two of them, Eric, that you like, really found helpful or that you really want to point people in the direction of.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, there's one that's uh, a foundation here locally, and that's just it's called I Am it's IamStrongFoundation.org, and, and they are there to help people who are struggling with uh, suicidal thoughts and, and provide some resources. Obviously, ActiveMinds.org is a great mm-hmm. organization for students to connect with because there's so many resources inside of that, uh, inside of there that can help people. Um, and, and I would love to offer that people check out my book, yes. A Sherpa Named Zoe. As yes. a resource, if they know somebody uh, that's going through grief or if they're going through grief themselves, it's not just about grief, it's actually about dealing with life's challenges anyway
3: mm-hmm.
2: so um uh, I feel like that could be a good resource too so um, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the time today with you folks. It's been fantastic and and I appreciate the being able to share my Zo- Zoe's story with you
0: absolutely I'm so like moved and you know my level of connection i feel has increased throughout this conversation and like very much admire and appreciate your vulnerability and and your strength and and just your your power to share with all of us so well, thank you thank you thank
2: you as well taylor Thank you so
0: much. Thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in to this episode. Um, please take some deep breaths after listening to this. Remember to check in with yourself. Maybe call a friend and talk to a friend after this episode. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, I was really... Um, I'm really curious and, and really enjoyed what he was saying about, about doing things while the sun is out
0: mm-hmm. in order
1: to help for when the storm does come. And I think some of that is just... Learning to have a network of people that you can that you can talk to.
0: Yeah, At that, and and again, honestly, what, what he said um, about you know sometimes. Her friends coming to him and just saying, you know, yeah, I'm not okay right now. And like, that's okay. Don't don't add that pressure on yourself. And, you know, we talk about that here on the pod as well. And just, I really want to encourage everyone after listening to this episode, to maybe go back and listen to the self-compassion episode um, and to really check out the resources that we've listed with the help of Eric um, for these different resources. So thank you so much. You are not alone you are worthy, you are enough, you are wonderful.
1: And all the things happen for you, not to you, which is a great way that uh, he phrased that in, in the episode. And that's, that, that's one thing that I'm going to carry yeah. with me is, is just remembering that all things are happening for me, mm-hmm. not to me. Yeah. Even if they're hard things and even mm-hmm. if they're good things. They're, they're, always, yeah. they're always there to, to fertilize something and to help mm-hmm. the soil and the growth of... But it's growing.
0: A small change in wording, but very, very, very powerful.
1: Yeah. So I
0: hope all the things happen for you this week and all the all the days.
1: <laughs> all the days long.
0: All the days long. I hope things happen for you. <laughs> Awesome. You guys can send us emails about topics you want discussed at it at gmail.com. Please keep leaving us reviews and ratings on iTunes and let us know what you guys are really enjoying about the pod. And thank you so much for your support. And thank you for having this conversation with us. We will talk to you next time.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Weave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.
0: Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you.